0: hello and welcome to this expectations for the year ahead podcast sponsored by psG wealth 2021 was nothing short of a roller coaster ride for most investors and in this discussion powered by psg wealth we will reflect on the biggest events and trends that shaped the markets and especially the performance throughout the year and outline some of the trends that investors should keep an eye on in 2022 my name is mudiwa gabvasa business writer with the business day and financial mail and i'll be your host for this very important conversation joining me today is adrian pasco is the chief investment officer over at psg wealth and he's going to highlight his outlook for economies markets and the investment landscape in 2022 <music> greetings adrian how are you today
1: i'm well. Very well, thank you. Thank you for
0: having me on the show. Now, we certainly thank you for, you know, taking your time to share your thoughts with us today. And I think the past two years, because for some people, 2021 and 2022 are somewhat indistinguishable, have been quite eventful, especially for the markets. So from your point of view, what would you say have been some of the biggest lessons for investors, specifically for 2021?
1: You know, taking lessons from what we've witnessed in the industry is, no, it was actually quite amusing to to see what happened during that first stage of twenty twenty. You know, all the guys that were conservatively positioned, obviously performing very well. They many of them carried that conservative stance into twenty twenty one and then underperformed. And then on the other side of things, some of the guys that were more aggressively positioned suffered some losses in twenty twenty, but then recovered very nicely into twenty twenty one. So I think that the important thing there is to to bear in mind that volatility is something that is incredibly important to assess correctly. it's not to say that you're trying to time the market, but you definitely need to be more tactical in the approach that you follow. So, you know, if you see opportunities arise, then you should be comfortable through your process to to take advantage of those. And it sounds quite easy, but it's actually quite complicated because you can imagine as a fund manager, you see COVID, no one really knows what's going to happen with with vaccines, rollouts, timelines were initially much, much longer. And yet you have to be brave and buy into that weakness for your clients. So it's a very good reminder and lesson that the responsibility that comes with the job is not always easy, but you need to be tactical in your thinking and be opportunistic in your thinking when we look at volatility. I think the other key lesson is also to to maintain a good level of diversification across the spectrum. Because one thing that can be said is that no one anticipated a COVID sell-off and definitely no one anticipated the speed of the sell-off, even though they, they saw that the headings were coming. And then following that, I think very few people predicted the recovery that followed from that. So in that uncertainty, the best thing that you can do is actually just be tactical, have a very well-diversified portfolio. Some of the things that did well in 2020 were actually already reasonably expensive. So think of US bonds, for example, and they ended up doing quite well. So it does mean that you can be tactical and underweight, but Don't exclude things from the portfolio and just focus on one thing. Those those would be the key lessons for me from that
0: theory. Now, drawing from all of those lessons, I like one of the things that you do say, and it was around vaccines, because as much as vaccines were a health issue, they sort of became a macroeconomic issue, right? You know, how does all of that lend into economic recoveries for different countries, opening up all of these issues? And that sort of adds to the basket of factors that, you know, you were talking about to say there's all the stuff that investors need to be thinking about, and the last year, you know, was quite eventful. From us going back to pushing up interest rates in South Africa, the riots, all of these things that we had to deal with. So, from your point of view, what were some of the key macroeconomic themes for that last year? Yeah,
1: hundred percent correct. I mean, in very simple terms, vaccines equal open economies, and open economies equal growth and recovery. So the vaccines were really the golden key to. Functioning global economies, trade and everything else. And even though we've had vaccines around our for extended period, we still see supply side logjams. jams and the impact that that has had on inflation numbers. We just see a US print come out at 7%. That's largely focused on supply side log jams that just haven't been resolved. So vaccines were key. Obviously, last year, inflation was, was the key story. And I think that's now evolved into this year. It's no longer a discussion in terms of is inflation coming, is it transitory, is it going to be sticky? It's here, it's much higher than anticipated and we need to act very quickly and I think we can definitely sense a a little bit more panic from policy makers as they debate this and now we're talking about interest rates and it's not even if interest rates are going to be higher, it's how much, how quickly. And the, the impact of that is actually quite profound on, on most asset losses. So, so that's very important. And the other thing last year, obviously, stats is a, the replacement of the GDP numbers and the methodology. So it's a very silly thing. They essentially just apply new methodology to how that's calculated. But it really has provided a further tailwind to how we assess our macroeconomic backdrop because... On the one end, of commodity companies are just flying because they are um, obviously selling at high commodity prices, which is good for tax revenue. That's great for the fiscus. We all anticipate that there's big trouble because of the SOEs, wage bill problems. And all of a sudden, there's this massive tax uh, collection coming in. And then as a second bonus, our GDP numbers are more than 10% higher than what we initially thought. So, all of a sudden, we thought we were going to a debt-to-GDP ratio of 100%, and all of a sudden, we're sitting at 70%, which is actually lower than the the average OECD country. So, it actually all of a sudden reflects relatively well. And maybe as a last, last point, China, I think, is critical. You know, to be honest with you, last year, we saw China sort of faltering around the growth path, and we're thinking, you know, we've got to be careful where commodities can go. That has a big impact on, on South Africa. And this year, they surprised us with with a couple of interest rate cuts. That's completely the opposite direction to where the Fed's going. Most other monetary policy makers around the globe. So that could be quite quite positive on the commodity front. So yeah, I think those those were the key ones, many of them carrying through into twenty two as well.
0: Now, Adrian, a lot of the factors that you have highlighted, you know, as can be expected in a global world or global economy that South Africa finds itself in are sort of international factors sort of pointing to the susceptibility of the South African economy to what's happening in other countries and that lends itself to this continual debate that's there by investors of do I invest in South Africa or offshore right so as far as you can see going into 2022 do you see South Africa Inc SA Inc as we like to call it being what's termed as a value trap or will it really offer opportunities for investors
1: well i think you know when you look at the market and on aggregate you're always going to pick up a product because there's there's definitely some some value traps there some companies that are justifiably cheap and in other cases there's there's companies that have been just taking the brunt of poor sentiment overall i think overall this thing looks good to us it's cheap Recovery is underway a fiscal situation, not, being, not nearly as bad as what we initially thought it was going to be. Um, consumers are gradually starting to recover. But I think the biggest thing is that we're not really expecting this massive jump in earnings. Anymore. Uh, the, the growth doesn't really justify that, the, the growth on, on the economy. But what we do see is sentiment improving. And I think from that, what we'll see is a re-rating of our stocks. Our stock market is, is simply just too, too cheap at the moment. And and that's on the back of just poor sentiment. And I think as as, as I said, as that sentiment starts to improve, we'll we'll see that value come through and and unlock itself. And that's not just on the equity front. Even if you start to look at some of the bonds, U.S. bond yields, 1.5%, incredibly low. They're staring interest rate hikes in the face. In South Africa, we're also looking at interest rates, but our bond yields are quite high. So there's a good level of protection in there on the bond front. So, there's a good likelihood that SA markets will outperform US counterparts, which isn't a very popular view because we know South Africa is struggling with a multitude of things. But the view is essentially that a lot of that's already been priced in. we in the US, if you look at some of the stocks you know, trading at 40 odd multiples and north of that, that, what essentially that says is that there's going to be growth, and it's not going to be compromised in any way at And earnings are going to march on at very high levels. And we just think that's a big gamble to take at this point in time.
0: It's always great when, you know, someone like yourselves does dish out a little bit of good news when it comes to the South African economy or at least an optimistic view of some sort. And whether we're talking about the stocks as you highlighted or fixed income in the form of bonds, it does sound as if there are quite a few opportunities which will likely make investors smile. But coupled with that, you know, surely there must be some challenges, you know, that you might be anticipating in all this.
1: That's one of the ironies of investing it's typically when things are at their worst that you find the best opportunities you know when everything's just looking hunky-dory there's no issues no stresses in the market then all the asset prices are high you don't really get good value out of there and the prospects for returns are, are lower where you know if you if you are in a stressed environment that's been suffering under sentiment it doesn't feel great but at the same time opportunities about. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, our South African markets are cheap for very good reasons. There's many issues that the country's grappling with. Um, Some of the things that come to mind, the public sector wage bill, dysfunctional SOEs, unemployment rate, especially amongst the youth, corruption remains a huge issue. We saw social unrest last year. And as long as we have the large Gini coefficient that we do have, social unrest is something that's going to keep bearing its head. So there's many, many issues for South Africans to, to deal with on a day-to-day basis, but at least we can say the silver lining on that is that it will present opportunities where stocks are sold off indiscriminately on the back of poor sentiment. And those companies can often generate decent earnings growth in spite of what's happening in South Africa because they're not as exposed to the things that's happening in South Africa. And their lies the opportunity is, is looking past the fog of doubt and noise, and find those opportunities.
0: Most certainly. I've actually heard one or two people in the investment community actually saying you should never put a good crisis to waste. You know, I guess sort of lending itself to exactly what you're talking about to say that the volatility does present a bit of opportunity there as long as you, as you said, sort of can sit down and look through the fog and, you know, some of the noise that's there. And with all that, then, because we've now highlighted macro issues, some of the key drivers in the market stocks bonds international local and all that in 2022 do you suspect that some of these key market drivers are going to remain the same or do you see some of the dynamics you know sort of changing for example will inflation continue to be the issue that it was in 2021 over in 2022 or do you sort of see some of those uh, market drivers changing i think
1: what we're seeing at the moment is that inflation and interest rates are are two sides of the same point and Inflation was the debate last year, and that has now evolved into interest rates. So, so from that perspective, it's it's a very similar theme that's going to continue. And then I think the other important thing that follows on from that is, as interest rates move higher, that long duration stocks can you know feel a lot of pain. What that essentially means is that stocks that are pricing in a lot of growth over a very long time period essentially have attracted higher market valuations out of, the, out of the market participants. But if there's no doubt around how much growth can we actually expect, then you can expect sentiment towards those stocks starting to up to away at. So I think that's an important theme. Well, evolution of the inflation going into interest rates and how that affects long-duration stocks. I think that, that's how that narrative is going to evolve. In South Africa, there will be a continued focus on policy reforms. It remains something that that, that is incredibly important. It was interesting to note the additional funding that came through from the World Bank largely motivated through they felt that there is actually fairly decent policy reform or change that's been communicated. And I think that's true in some cases, but it's a fairly steep hill to climb. So hopefully more, more to come on, on that front.
0: Uh, Perhaps as a quick follow-up to what you've just said, Adrian, because, you know, you're highlighting at least the fact that last year the big debate was inflation, but now it's going to be interest rates. And we've been sort of, you know, highlighting the duality that investors tend to face of whether you put your money in bonds or whether you put your money in stocks. Um, So maybe the follow-up is just around, do you see this uh, evolution of the debate, I guess, affecting more, the initial reaction that we're going to get, is it going to be seen in equity markets first or do you think it's going to be seen in the fixed-income markets?
1: I think it's both, with the caveat that, that not all equities behave the same. So I think if interest rates go up, you'll see the higher valuation stocks come under pressure. Uh, even though they're quality businesses, they generate lots of cash flow, the valuations are simply just too high in, in home markets. And bonds will simultaneously be under pressure. And I'm specifically talking about the U.S. but It's an area of great concern for us. I think the one exception, though, is if you look at our offshore portfolios, we think the banks can probably hold up pretty well. Uh, They they tend to perform well if interest rates start to increase because uh, lending terms or how the net income is is calculated on on the earnings impact positively. So you've got to be a little bit more selective, I guess, that the right word in terms of how you approach it. Generally, from an asset class perspective, I think multi-asset portfolios in South Africa, where we've got stocks at single-digit multiples and bond yields approaching 10% versus in the U.S., where multiples are in excess of 30 PEs at bond yields at 1.5%, it's clear to me that the, the obvious opportunity that we saw in offshore investing in the early 2010s, was really that there's value out there. There's there's good value and, and we went in aggressively to 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 get some of that value. But I think that specific benefit has been eroded through the valuations. Where offshore does still play a good part though is it does diversify the portfolio pretty well. But we we got a good reminder back in twenty twenty again when the RAN blew out in nineteen fifty to the dollar. So you can't just turn your back on offshore investing entirely. There's still something to be said for uh, maintaining a diversified portfolio of assets. But if I go to tick marks for diversification, I'd say, yes, offshore investing is important. If I'm looking at where I think my performance is going to come from or my alpha is going to come from, then I think South Africa is going to do quite well. I think it's going to surprise investors.
0: Mm-hmm. No, most certainly, and at least you know, once again, bringing out some of those, uh, you know, more positive aspects, and maybe that can be a place that we end off the discussion, Adrian. Just getting your sense of what investors can actually look forward to, because one of the things, as I highlighted earlier, that I've liked about this conversation is that you have not taken a doom and gloom approach to what's going on in the market. So maybe that is where we do end off. What do people actually have to look forward to? As as investors in the market, you know, as your final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's exactly right. I think there's actually a lot to be positive about. There's there's a lot to be concerned about in South Africa. At the same time, don't miss the opportunities that's presented through through that process. Investing is never easy, especially if you're doing it right.
0: Investing is never easy, especially if you do it right. Those are the words of Adrian Paschal, is the chief investment officer over at PSG Wealth, giving us some insight into some of the big trends of the last year in terms of investing, but also at the same time, the key theme being expectations for the year. Some of the things that he does highlight is the fact that some of the things that we did see last year, some of the uncertainty in the South African economy does remain because it is a reality things such as uh, the riots that we saw last year the fact that we have high unemployment in the country the fact that interest rates are likely to grow up those things are, are likely to be realities but he does say that there's a lot of opportunity out there especially if investors are just to take a little bit of time to look at what's going on in the market take a bit of a moment to clear away the noise and just see what's actually going on on the ground and then one of the big things that he does highlight is the fact that whilst inflation tended to be a big issue last year, a big debate in the economic community driven by what was going on in the US this year, part of that is going to be a shift over to interest rates and just highlighting the fact that that is likely to affect both the fixed income markets and the equity markets. And some of the companies, especially those with the higher valuations, you know, might see a little bit of volatility on that front. But you know, stocks such as banks, for example, tend to have quite a bit of resilience and actually do well in that type of environment. So that's been it for this uh, Expectations for the Year Ahead podcast that is sponsored by PSG Wealth. I've been your host, Mdiwa Gavaza, a business writer with the the Business Day and Financial Mail. Remember that you can subscribe for free on IONO.FM, Spotify, Player.FM, Pocket cost, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted affiliates of psg consult group are authorized financial services providers visit www.psg.co.za for more information